0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Okay, before we start the show, I have to tell you about one of my favorite companies ever has decided to sponsor the podcast. Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is the most comfortable underwear, sweater, hoodies, pants you will ever wear. I am not even kidding around when I'm saying that I'm wearing their pants right now, their underwear, and their sweater. Please, please. Please check this company out. They know what they're doing when it comes to outerwear, underwear. It's unbelievable. I have spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars at this company. And the fact that they came to me and said, hey, we like your show. Let's do something together. Made me so damn happy. So I want to make you happy. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your purchase by using the promo code WORDS. This is the real deal. Sound the alarm. Do whatever you need to do. Drop the phone. Buy some underwear. Buy some sweaters. Whatever you need, they have. So please, MacWeldon.com, Use the code WORDS and it'll get you 20% off. You will thank me. I promise. Now, here's the show. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of 100 words or less. But this is not just another episode because this is the 5 year anniversary. Oh my gosh. Woo. Yeah. yeah woo, 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 woo. 5 year anniversary. This is uh what episode 260. Holy crap. This has been amazing. I um it, this podcast has changed my life in the most positive way. I've been able to have great discussions with people involved in independent music and uh this is something that I believe in so greatly. And I just, I love it so much. It makes me so happy. And thank you for listening to the show because frankly, you're the reason that this thing keeps going. More of you keep listening. More of you keep telling your friends and the show just uh, keeps on growing. And it's awesome. I can't thank you enough because dude, let's be honest. Everybody has a podcast now. There are so many out there. The fact that you tune in on a weekly basis and check this thing out means the goddamn world to me. So thank you as the listener. You, you make my life. You make my world. You. I just wish I could reach out and hug you and kiss you and stroke your hair. Maybe that's a little weird, but it's a big, effusive thank you from me to you. So hold that tight. Play it in your ear and be like, hey, Ray's thanking me. Yes, that's true. I am thanking you. And I'm also thanking this week's guest. How about that for a segue, right? What a professional. <laughs> the guest this week is none other than Chris Collahan who is the vocalist for a band called Sect, which is an unbelievable, unbelievable band. He also played in bands like Left for Dead, Cursed. He is, no joke, top five favorite vocalist of all time. And he's to boot, he's also one of the nicest, most down-to-earth and intelligent human beings I've had the privilege of having in my life. And he also runs an unbelievable company called Vegan Magic. He does some uh, vegan bacon grease, and he's also launching a bunch of other cool projects. And uh, I am so happy for him being able to do this very, very professional thing, which we talk about in this interview. And um, he's frankly only the second guest to make a double appearance on the show. I had him a couple years back, episode—I think we were in our 30s, if I'm not mistaken— and, um, I was, I just love him so much. I was like, you know what? Let's, let's have you be on this five-year anniversary show. And, um, yeah, then, then that's what, that's what we'll do. So let's get some business out of the way. And then I will talk a little bit more about Chris and then we'll just, uh, we'll let the interview roll, right? Cause that's what we do here. So rise against, I've been telling you for weeks and weeks at a time. The record is out this Friday, the 7th of June. And at least it's the 7th. I think I, it's so bad this Friday. Okay. You're listening to this on a Wednesday. It's coming out Friday, but Go to riseagainstshop.com to get your last-minute pre-orders in. Most of the stuff is sold out, just because I've been telling you so often about it. But uh, they they still have some cool limited edition vinyl there. Dive into it. Wolves is an unbelievable record. I've been spinning it pretty constantly ever since they sent it to me, and I'm just uh, I'm so thankful that uh, this band exists. And they're touring with Deftones and Thrice this summer. Go to a show. And uh, I was about to say, support the scene. I mean that this is at arenas, so <laughs> you're you're technically supporting the corporate scene, but nonetheless, it is still an important tour because dude, these bands like all just just really, really not only genuine people, but are doing you know playing music for all the right reasons and influencing a lot of people in the process, so awesome stuff. Thank you very much, Rise Against, for your support of this show, and uh, I appreciate that. So, yeah, riseagainstshop.com. And uh, I also must tell you about one of my favorite podcasts on the Jabberjaw Media Network. I listen to it on an almost weekly basis, Lead Singer Syndrome, from my good friend Shane Told. He uh, interviews people. That our lead singer's a band, and uh, I was a lucky guy who got to appear on the show, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. I can't remember exactly when, but uh, you can dive back into his archives. He's been going at it very strong and has a very devoted following of people that listen to him, and his show keeps on growing, keeps on getting better, and he's, uh, I don't know, like 60, 70 shows into it, maybe a little bit deeper, but uh, his show is really, really good, so you can find it google it or listen to or listen to it on any podcast catcher that you may be listening to this very episode on lead singer syndrome it's a great show check it out and it's part of the Jabberjaw media network so there we go some some family family ties there um. Yeah, so that's it from that perspective. But Chris Callahan, like I said, just, uh, just a great conversation. We talk about a lot of different stuff, especially because he's been running a business for the past couple of years. And there are so many intricacies in running a business, and it's not easy, and we talk about that. And, um, yeah, he's just the most real deal dude I know because uh, he's been all of these things in regards to – just a, a die-hard, tried-and-true independent thinker. Um, you know, he's been straight edge for a long time, vegan for a long time. Holds all these philosophical beliefs that still ring true to him. And uh, you know, he's almost 107 years old. That was just a joke, but he, you know, he's old. And I mean, I'm old. <laughs> for this whole youth culture movement thing. But uh, yeah, we still uh, stick true to this stuff that we uh, you know started espousing when we were 15, 16 years old. So anyways, I'm just uh, so proud of Chris and what he's been able to accomplish. And uh, frankly, I, uh, I'm proud of what we've accomplished here at the show. So there, it's a nice, uh, <laughs> nice uh, bow on that. Uh, I was gonna say synergy, I don't know, terrible words. Uh, I, I'm, I've lost my train of thought. But regardless, this conversation does not lose its train of thought. It's very focused, very fun. And here it is. So here's Chris, and I'll talk to you after the show's over. I namely wanted to start with the, uh, you know, basically how you got involved uh, so deeply into, you know, kind of the independent music scene in the, the Toronto area, just because. You know, you definitely are not only a mainstay within that, but, um, you know, you seem to kind of like hit the ground running pretty quickly as far as like getting involved. um, Or am I mischaracterizing that? Did you kind of like, you know, warm up to it Uh, and start to like get into it?
1: No, I I, at the very beginning, I mean, I was really young and um, there's definitely no way to talk about it without bringing up logan and chokehold and that whole world you know um because that just happened to be the time and the place i was in and i was really fortunate and if that hadn't been right there and right then my and honestly the entire course of my life would have been i probably wouldn't be here talking to you now you know um so i was definitely just like a young uh dorky person with uh Frustrations to to try and direct somewhere better than I was directing them uh, when I like happened upon everything like this and it no I, I definitely immediately knew that that was like something that felt like it it spoke to me and was definitely for me you know right off the bat um, and I played music already with friends with high school friends um, so it just I don't know I guess I hit the ground running I didn't really get get going in terms of bands or things that people knew or cared much for until a few years later even left for dead or something what didn't it was more of an after the fact you know like the world we actually ran in in hamilton at the time most had mostly dried up you know compared to the few years before that so it was really a small bunch of us kind of amusing ourselves um yeah so that's it i guess i don't i don't know uh, did i get involved in it um, I had a, a really good friend named Naomi, and she dated uh, this gentleman named Zach Husted um, of House for Zach fame. if you ever heard of that venue?
0: Yeah, I, ha- I have heard of that.
1: It was wild. It's a block from my mom's house, so I drive by it whenever I go and visit her. But um, it was a a living room that some just wild things happened in, in a house, a gross hardcore kid house uh, in Hamilton. Everything from like really early on with Earth Crisis or Unbroken, Undertow, uh, Mayday, Edgewise. Um, It's crazy. It's crazy to think of the stuff that passed through this like just 20 foot by 10 foot room. yeah, so I was really fortunate to just be in that time and place. I don't honestly know how how different my life would be or, if, or what I would have you know found or sunk myself into if it hadn't been for that and hardcore. And not just hardcore, but hardcore at that moment too and the kind of, the moment of, uh, I guess the political climate of it um, and the rashness of it at the same time. In the early, early 90s, people, they knew the world around them was not acceptable and not the way we wanted to be and that we didn't want to be you know our parents and everything that came before us uh so i don't know they, they i think the i guess the anarchist kind of angle mixing with the lifestyle decisions um hamilton had its own kind of flavor for all that you know it wasn't really probably like things that were happening elsewhere syracuse or anywhere or you're out in your area um so I don't know. I, that spoke to me a lot because it was very questioning of everything, of your upbringing, of yourself, and your own attitudes and your socialization. Um, so I don't know, man. That's still kind of ringing out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to say because it sort of feels like it's still happening. To- Forty two. Uh,
0: no, totally. Yeah. The the uh, I was actually going to bring that up a little bit later, but you know, it, it seems uh, from every you know public. Uh, uh, piece of art that you've put out there has always had political overtones and your opinion, um, you know, laced in within that. But it, it seems to me that, like you said, the, the uh, you kind of were attracted to that immediately. Like that, that sense of, like you said, questioning the world around you and knowing that, uh, you didn't want it to continue that way. So you're going to do what you can to rally against it. Um, was that a, a pretty easy idea for you to straddle up against, or like I said, did you have to kind of, you know, feel like you became educated first before you had these opinions or like most kids,
1: mm. did, did you, did you have
0: the opinions first and then
1: become? <laughs> no, you know what? I, maybe this is the reason that we're still talking about it this much later. I kind of had the opposite I was definitely like a, a nerdy, a nerdy kid that punk kind of kid that really didn't fit into even the hardcore scene of things that, that easily. Um, people definitely were there, you know, like Logan is the best example too, that, that were, were really good to me and, and very open and just lent me a stack of records and things like that. But I, I didn't take to them that fast. I mean, they appealed to me right away, but I could also see. Um, that the people that I, I was a little intimidated, you know, it was a bit of a replication of of high school, even though it should be the opposite, the escape from what happens in high schools. But you can see when you're young, even that uh, in the course of a year or two, how how quickly things change. And it's not to be superior or lay the blame on anybody at this point. I mean, you're we're kids, you know. So I think it's the mixture of of dogma and uh, serious ideas with people that are, are too young to really know how much of it, how heavy to lay it on, you know um there were things that appealed to me for sure but i i definitely made my changes at my own speed and it took a little it took me a few years to get to the place that i wanted to but i i immediately could tell that that was for me but i didn't jump into it um no i really didn't i was vegetarian already uh i went vegan and i drank and all those which to me are pretty normal growing up in ontario teenager things um and I, uh, I got it out of my system really on my own, on my own time. Uh, and then when I was done with it, I was done with it. But I also had a lot of like the things that I was raised with. Like I mean, you and me talked before about religion and that. Um, that was kind of part and parcel with me for giving up other things that I thought were really destructive in my life and in my socialization. So they were deeply rooted, you know, and they're still. Like I say, they're still ringing out. Those are things that are always part of your life, and they're always around you in the world. So uh, I think that I picked a pretty good, pretty good
0: horse. <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty good lane. Let's stick in. Yeah, you never,
1: you never t- totally understand. It's not like a war that you win at some point, you know? Like questioning the world around you isn't necessarily the find. You don't find an answer, and you're not really made, meant to have an absolute answer to everything. Just uh, it's the act of perpetually questioning it and yourself and where you're at.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's true. There, there really is no finish line. Like, it's not. No, like- there
1: shouldn't be. It totally. Just- You'd be dead
0: yeah exactly there'll
1: be no point to life
0: <laughs> right um and something that i noticed too where um you know maybe this is me just projecting on you but you seem to you know get along with a lot of people in the context of you know many different not, not like music scenes and you know because i i'm sure you've witnessed like many of your friends uh, or other people that go to shows you know when you start to you know experiment with music and you go to shows and you start to you know hitch your wagon to something um you don't necessarily uh can mingle in between crowds. You know, it's like, yeah, there, there's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like you're the punk kid or you're the hardcore kid. And, you know, yeah, you can, like, you know, dip your toe into it. But it seems like me. Or from from my impression of you is the fact that you could kind of you know go in between these different scenes, so to speak. You know, acting like it's like you're some ambassador or something. But like you know what I saying? <laughs> but it's like you, you seem to flit in and out of it. And was was that kind of your experience in that? Uh,
1: well, I just like the things I like, and the world is really big. And hardcore isn't isn't even everything, you know. So i i wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to just have that in my life and not have other things. Like the whole time, I mean, growing up, I liked. Pretty much everything other than what was like kind of current and what was really like radioish, like even things like in the grunge kind of era, I was just discovering hardcore and I was kind of a, a dick about that, that stuff. And I probably could have seen some great bands and seen them in clubs and stuff like that too, but I um, I don't know. I, I liked everything. I liked always a lot of old you know things, um, old just old rock and roll and old blues and soul and jazz records, and I would not want to know every fucking thing about agnostic front and not have john lee hooker in my life you know what i mean yeah and and that goes for a million directions it's just like culture is uh I would hate to think as like a, a hardcore kid or a straight edge kid that like this is what you do and these are the four you have a Morrissey shirt and four things you're allowed to like. Uh, I mean, I like fucking everything, and I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't want hardcore to be an excuse to close me off to other things that are out there all the time being created. You know?
0: Yeah, it is weird. I, I always try to kind of uh, distill it down to because there is that that sort of pressure, um, you know, whether it's implicit or you know or completely you know subconscious Mm -hmm. you you kind of are expected to you know be like live in this sort of lane you know um where i do think that you know people i I, the people that stick around are definitely the people you know like yourself and myself where it's like we are you know we we flit around between many different things and you know it, it, yeah, it, it kind of ignites your passion as opposed to like, oh yes, I'm 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 only going to go to you know thug hardcore <laughs> shows or whatever. Oh
1: God, that's a boring fucking life, you know. Right. right. <laughs> no, it's totally. yeah. so, You got to switch up your routine.
0: Right. And, and, so, and generally speaking, people were, um, I guess, kind of um, amenable to you, where people like, oh, like there, there's Chris, the you know, overenthusiastic you know, hardcore kid that's going to punk shows or whatever. Or, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> the nerdy fucking try hard kid in the SNFU shirt that we don't talk to so much. Right, right. And by the time he stops drinking, we all are drinking and we all think he's a jerk for the opposite reason. Yeah, kind of like that
0: right so so you you were always kind of like you know the uh the the person that was like friendly with everybody um but you know you you, you kind of stuck to your uh i guess the group of friends so to speak
1: i wasn't a cool dude and i'm not i never achieved that i don't know if i was trying to but failed terribly if i ever was i think i'm continuing to along that
0: (coughs) got it got it that works for me though (laughs) yeah definitely um, and uh, you know something else, kind of a, a, along the same notions of what we're talking about, where you know you've uh, you, you've stuck to principles um, that you know f- feasibly don't last for people whether it's you know veganism straight edge um these things that uh, i mean especially straight edge just because i do find most people view that as like oh yeah that's when you're like you know ages 14 to 21 that's <laughs> and then you like kind of you know you, you call yourself an adult you don't need to call yourself straight edge anymore
1: right no i had the exact opposite i was like my fourteen to twenty one were a fucking crazy blur, uh, and it was that was the point where I got it out of my system. I didn't want to do those things that, as an adult, that made sense as a teenager, and we're fun and we're fine. I don't flagellate myself for you know for having a, an upbringing like that. I had a lot of fun. Um, no, but I, I stopped drinking right around the time when it was legal for me to start. You know, but the prospect of going to like a liquor store and going back to my apartment with it or something it just seems so uh, adults i guess if you want to call it that just seems so depressing and still does that no i i like those memories where they are and the way they are and they're ridiculous you know like just growing up in hamilton and i don't know getting into all kinds of mischief and i like that but uh i don't know i i'm inclined towards a lot of anxiety and i drank to deal with People and to be, you know, or the, I was the ridiculous kind of fun over the top guy. Um, and that's not really sustainable. And I, I get stressed out now. And uh, I mean, I could, I could easily do that. But it would be to deal. <laughs> it would be to deal with stress. And there's never a question. It doesn't matter how many years it's been. It's just like it would work great until whichever yeah i mean for as long as i did it and i would just need to keep doing it and i don't i don't like the thought of that you know
0: right totally and did you when you when you gave up all of the i mean were you into like drugs and stuff like that or was it only predominantly like no
1: not really um just like pretty regular high schooly shit just like weed and hash a bit i guess and drinking mainly i just i didn't get further into drugs just because i drank a lot okay but and i was also a little paranoid even things uh like even the pot and stuff that was around me was kind of like went through the hands of like biker world and some stuff was i don't know i was too sketched out by by anything that was like really heavier than that or like chemically manufactured by people i didn't know you know it was like people did a lot of acid and stuff like that when i was in high school and i never i just was i don't know too too paranoid to to mess with that paranoid in terms of like the trusting the, the people that came from or whatever could be in it. That wasn't supposed to be. So I just mainly pot and hash, I think were the only things I ever did a oh, lot of. But,
0: got it. Yeah. And then when you, uh, when you gave up drinking, was it you know like cold Turkey? Was it one of those things? Like you just, you know, dropped it one day or did you have to? Yeah. Oh wow. No,
1: I just dropped it on a dime. I smoked too. And yeah. I just kind of cleaned house in one shot. <laughs> you know <laughs> I'd been thinking about it for a long time and set it up and like, okay, now that was that. And this is this I did. That was it,
0: right? Right. That's uh, well. I was. And did you find it difficult or was it relatively easy?
1: Um, no, it was still. It, it, the drinking was um, wasn't that hard to stop. Smoking, I still. Man, this is funny. But I still, when I get stressed out, or work, or life, or things are really stressy, I have dreams sometimes about smoking and about smoking. Um, so no, it, it was easy uh, just to physically stop and i guess that makes you one of those people that smokers or people trying to give those things up really hate to hear from because it's just like you you can just not do it i mean on one hand it's it's hard your body gets used to it and your bloodstream gets used to it and your mind gets used to it but really it is black and white if you want to not do something you can just physically not do it and that's that part of it is at least that easy yeah um, so I, I did yeah i mean there, it's not that simple but it is that simple you know on, on that end so i did just stop it all and right. that was that right you know
0: um did you, did you lose friends because of it or did people just kind Not of really that's good
1: no no i can't say i did i was didn't have a lot of i had like a close kind of circle around me of, of friends but i never like a a lot of no i can't say i did man
0: yeah and were you um you know just because you ended up i know you played drums in your, your the first iterations of of the music stuff that you were doing but then once mm-hmm. it, once it came to you know singing and being kind of you know the front person um y- y- there's always that weird notion of like oh yeah you know the person that sings for a band is always like wanting to be the center of attention like you know a lot <sighs> of, of cliches that kind of go into it um but you know as you start to navigate the uh, idea that people are paying attention to you because you got up, you get up on, you know, (laughs) the stage with a microphone, like, you know, how did that, like, was that easy for Uh, you You to get up there and do that?
1: No, I'm, (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up, man. That's something I'm still trying to, Perpetually dealing with it makes no sense for me and the person I am that I should be able to get up in front of a bunch of people and do something like that. Right, Still, because right. uh, I'm, you know, I, I get pretty anxious in front of people. But I think it's just uh, as a vent for for frustrations, like the same as it was when I was 16. Um, it's just kind of a necessary thing to do. But I get so pent up and nervous about it. Still, at any kind of a show, it doesn't matter if it's 10 people in a basement or a festival. Um, I don't know it's sort of like a it's like a self oiling machine where i get stressed out and the only way through it is to just to face it and to you know belt it out and play your songs you know
0: yeah so absolutely so i mean gonna-
1: that is the solution to the stress is just like all right here we go <laughs> and then the second it starts is usually i don't i'm not so worried about it once i'm kind of in the zone but it kind of have to go in the zone and forget yourself to do it right so
0: and did you um you know with with that attention that people start to pay you you know you know even on such a minor level of you know people seeing that like oh hey it's you know chris he sings for love for dead or chris he sings for curse and like people wanting to know you because of you know who you are rather than like wanting to get to know you as a human being um, yeah how, how did you start to I guess kind of rec- like recognize that and um, you know do what you can to you know either ignore it or um, you know in certain instances you know because you're a kid you kind of eat it up at the same time or you're just like oh wow that's cool mm-hmm. someone knows me um, that only
1: actually ever weirded me out even further from for me ignore it was and still is the only way It's just to blow it off like I know the credentials of that don't they don't matter they only really saddle you more you know like i guess egotistically and they just they make it more complicated uh when all you really want to do is be a person in a room with people that are like-minded and into the stuff that you're into so i never i really did not like ever like becoming that person to people um i think it's worth investing in ideas and uh rather than the people that you know that embody them but i also recognize that our world is really pretty transitory so it it creates the impression when there's people that are around longer than most that there's something kind of special about them when it's really not the case so I don't I don't like being it but it's definitely over dramatic to, to make a big deal of it because you do, you play music and you put a lot of yourself out there and I know I put a lot of myself and personal too much information <laughs> like I don't really have a, a filter for how personal I get about myself so it's, it's like people think that they know you really well and in my case I think they probably kind of do, you know, based on On music, and that's kind of my guideline of whether I'm doing it right. But you're surrounded by people that have you at kind of a disadvantage like that. So all I ever want is to just be hanging out on the sidewalk with people. Um, So it only ever makes me weirder. And the odd time that someone is like that, uh, right to me at least, (laughs) if they're like that and I don't have to know about it, that's fine. But definitely i don't know the the takeaways you just shouldn't do that with people period you know you should focus on what is it about them that you like because that is applies to you just as much whether it's politics or lifestyle things or something they do in music i mean any of us can make this music and any of us can make statements and live by them you know yeah so it's more like what is it about those statements that you know are those ideas that's what that's what you should be looking at so
0: right, right, right. No, that makes sense. Yeah, um, something uh, that I, I want to dig into as well. You, you worked a long time at uh, Suspect Video, which you know most people, oh, most yeah, most people you know that uh, are listening to this probably have no idea what Suspect Video is. But you know, it's an un- unbelievable like independent. Um, was it, was it a small chain or was it only that one store?
1: Uh, there, that was the original store, and there was one ex- other store on Queen Street for a few years. Um, no, it was really just like two locations. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, it just closed down. It just closed down in the last couple of months because that block got sold for... Guess what they're going to turn it into?
0: Oh, let me, a, high, a high-rise apartments Yeah, yeah.
1: The only thing they turn anything into. Of course. Yeah, like an entire city block worth of condo. Like a whole big square of... a. Uh, yeah do you remember that block in honest ed's the huge crazy i do yeah yeah. yeah that entire block from bathurst to markham street and north south um got bought out for some crazy mega condo wow. so yeah um i mean either way it was a really tough go for that store for the last few years but yeah uh, it was there for 25 years and i was there for 14 of it right um right. it was just a great kind of cult video and bookstore and just uh Oh, amazing counterculture place that i don't really i feel lucky to have been been part of for so long
0: yeah that and I think people that have that uh, experience with something that is so not only independent minded and you know catering to you know a million different subcultures as far as interests are concerned but you know just yeah. having that uh that uh, ability to dip into all of these, you know, frankly, fringe things that people are just like, Oh no, I'm not into, you know, Japanese horror gore. Like what? That doesn't <laughs> make any sense, but, um, I'm sure because, yeah. because you work there, you were able to get influenced by a lot of different things that you probably would, wouldn't have access to prior to that. Yet. Oh God
1: yeah completely yeah just obscurities they had a lot of stuff that I mean they had VHS's just tens of thousands of tapes that uh, you gotta figure at this point in the game that's there must be at least a dozen things in a pile like that that could be the last copy of that in the world in any any pile that big of a format that dead um, yeah but you're right there's a lot of old old Italian horror just obscure exploitation and world cinema documentaries and things that you would never trip across you know, otherwise I wouldn't. They're not online. There's things that just never don't pop up, and maybe never will. But you're right. Yeah, it really opened opened me up to a lot of things.
0: No, that's great. Yeah. And, and did you? And and I guess because of that too, um, you kind of uh, you, did, did. You I guess understand business a little bit better because you were kind of you know working at there, or was that something? No, that, no, you <laughs>
1: just kidding. No, I'm terrible at business. Always will be. No, I'm awful at it. Okay. <laughs> No. I understood movies and what I liked about them a little better. That's about it.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. I, yeah, I, it's just it's it's so funny because you know most people, um, you know, would uh, would look at a person like you and be like, oh, you know, like well spoken, intelligent, and you know has a, has a strong point of view and all these you know artistic leanings. Um, yeah, there's probably some business sense about you, but you <laughs> yeah,
1: no, yeah. not equals not equals business savvy at all. Right, right. <laughs> I just love that. Um, and now I'm saying that as a person that runs a business, I can definitely
0: vouch for that. <laughs> totally. Totally. Which we'll get there. Um, okay. The, uh, it, it, it's a, something that I've always, you know, it, it admired about you as well is the, um, you, uh, you know, even though we are speaking over Skype, uh, you know, there's been a resistance to certain aspects of technology and the trade-off that it is when, uh, people adopt one thing in their life. Like what, you know, what are they trading off? Um, and that's, that's always seemed to be Something that you are are very conscious of, um, whereas I think a lot of people don't uh, think about that bargain when they're entering, you know, one piece of technology over the other or whatever. Um, has that? Yeah, is that something that is pretty uh, prescient on your mind and you're kind of? Mm-hmm. Or is yeah, that- that's
1: a good that's a good call for sure, man. Like i i I grew up I grew up on Orwell, you know, and things like that. Really, way too too fucking young, um, and I I, I feel. I also lucky that I grew up kind of with one foot on each side of the kind of computer generation you know so uh I kind of felt really wary of that as it as it came up so I always and I'm not completely out you know out of it I'm sort of somewhat connected where I want to be but mostly not um but no I wouldn't want to it's kind of an illusion you know and just in the classic I guess maybe Buddhist way you'd look at it it's just like it's a it's a hallucin it's a digital hallucination for the most part it's a reflection of your life but it's not it's the means it's not the end you know so it's great i mean look at this we're talking from thousands of miles away just like and that part of it you got to take the take the good of technology like this that makes life easier but you can't get so wrapped up in it that you're you're thinking about that and and you're i guess your alibi (laughs) more than life itself more than like firsthand life itself, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, I think it, it ultimately the people that, uh, I think have a healthy relationship with technology is the fact that, you know, these are tools like this can't, th- this can enhance your life, but it can't yeah. consume it, you know?
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I think not growing up on it, um, even people that are younger, uh, they learn, they get over it. Like I never had Facebook until I had, uh, the magic until I had to do it for the business. A couple years ago, Um, so I have even less skill as a younger person at knowing how to turn it off. Does that make sense? Like uh, older, you know, like my my mom or (laughs) they're someone's parents. They don't you don't have that. uh, It can really mess with your time management. I'm not. I'm not as good at it as someone that grew up with it and they're already bored of it. So I have to definitely consciously, it's easy to, to fall into that, that hole, you know? Oh, so yeah. I try to, I try not to waste too much time and go too far down the rabbit hole like that. Cause it'll, it, it's endless.
0: Right. Totally. But um, you're right. It's tool. it's a tool. You use it, you use it. You've right. Yeah. So you, it doesn't you use you. Right. Exactly. You use this as a way to, you know, whatever, interact, you know, get information, whatever it is. Um, but cause I, I think one of the most, uh, you know, important books that I read on the subject was that uh, you know Neil Postman, who was uh, you know highly influential to the dude.
1: Amusing ourselves to death.
0: That that was a great book, and then also Technopoly. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, well, I don't know that one. It was, uh, well, I, oddly enough, another Canadian band introduced it to me, uh, Nick from Buried Inside. He was, oh, wow. Yeah. It's like we, uh, I think, taken played with Buried Inside and like he just gave me the book and he was like, here, read this. And I was like, oh, like, you know, immediately cracked my head wide open. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, it was like, you need, there's a bargaining when you are entering certain aspects of technology and you need to ask yourself what you're trading away in order to get this thing. And so I think right. that was just, yeah, like you said, it's, you know, it, it's a tool. And as long as it's not uh, distracting you from what it is you need to be accomplishing right. or doing in real life, then it's, it's, right. it's, it's only, and
1: fault. dude, it's made to, I mean, they're, they, it's, it's, it's literally made and designed to, at this point to kind of suck you in and to keep you in and to keep you doing something They're they're showing the comparisons between the, the, the things that happen in somebody's brain when they're kind of refreshing something on like facebook or instagram or something like that and the actual like the dopamine shit that happens in your head is is totally relative to to like things with cocaine or uh, i mean they're the same the same things are happening in your brain when you're you're waiting for like a some little satisfaction and you're perpetually trying to like they kind of liken it to pulling a pulling like a sorry the the wheel like at a casino what am i trying to say a slot machine Slot machine right <laughs> yeah like you you think something new you're missing something and you're perpetually how about now how about now and it just gets to be less and less like you lose track of like okay but what is the so what you know what's this about what do i need to know what do i actually what am i missing if i don't if i just turn this thing off
0: oh yeah absolutely totally yeah uh, um the uh, c- kind of like a subject that we were talking about earlier in regards to, um, you know, p- people have such a reverence for you know the bands that that you played in from Left for Dead and Cursed and uh, you know Burning Love and basically a lot of the stuff that you have um, done from a band perspective, um, but kind of you know focusing on Left for Dead and Cursed in particular where you know people have cited. The music that you've created as being so influential and, uh, you know, uh, you never know how the influence can kind of reap itself as the years go on. Um, Yeah. But, you know, the the joke always is where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Left 4 Dead probably, in summation, played in front of, like, you know, 300 people like throughout the entire... (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) And it... it, You know, I'm sure you have, like, not, I wouldn't say wasted time, but, like, sat around and, like, actually, like, thought about, like, that's just weird. Like, why why that thing was as popular you know not, not as popular but like you, like i said as influential and like same could be said about Curse. <laughs> so, you know cursed is obviously was a little more you know active and played in front of more people but you know how, i guess how do you kind of like uh you know have Kirsten, that conversation in your head
1: yeah true curse didn't really go that way until like the last kind of 10 percent of its lifespan like a lot of the first uh you know most of the first years of cursed you and you were there for a lot of it was just was pretty similar it was just regular regular shows and a lot of tours that nobody was really asking for <laughs> more more we gave the world more curse than it definitely wanted um, and by the time it was kind of getting in you know in first in real time it was kind of catching on it was pretty much interpersonally falling apart from the inside but um, I don't know I mean that's like when I came into things that was what hardcore was to me it mostly was 30 kids in the basement and that sort of still is the the best kind of times that i have if i can just feel connected to people on that sort of on that scale on that level um yeah i I don't know you're right there's people i I guess that bands have played in have influenced, and they go on to make other better bigger and better bands and that's that's good Good. (laughs) i'm happy to i'm happy for that to be if that's the part i played in it uh i don't need it to be i wouldn't do very well with it if it was any bigger or you know i don't know what the scale really means to me so much is just like just doing the act of doing it is all i need to get out of it you know whether people catch on to it in real time or 10 years later or whatever the fuck i i just i like doing it i don't get it i just know how to do it
0: yeah no totally it, it, it is weird because like i i I guess I think about it in terms where um, most of the things that become you know successful, even on such a you know small level as like an independent you know punk or hardcore band, the things that you find that you're not really putting that much thought into, um, like you know getting out there and like doing it and you know touring and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. are the things that become you know meaningful and successful because it's coming from this like really honest and true place where you know the bands that have you know no sort of impact whatsoever are the ones that you know might be spawned off of the fact that like oh hey like let's try to like make it you know because we know people, well, yeah. we have a manager right. or whatever
1: well you're right man you're right like if you're if you're there doing it anyway. way to to 10 people for years and years on end like you're you have to be doing it because that's because you want and you need to to do it it's something you need uh you don't have an end goal that has to do with any amount of money or any record contract or any you know the idea of success like that um i mean we were definitely kind of fucking a brick wall for a long time but we didn't mind it like we kind of enjoyed that we had a lot of like washed out kinds of shows and a lot of weird kind of hopeless, way too long tours and it just made us like... You know, angry at each other and just desperate, and that just made our made us play better. You know, just like the I hate to say the failure sort of aspect was really inextricably bound to the I don't know. I, I identify with that side of it,
0: right? No, I, I was actually going to mention that because I, I think you know, especially with cursed, where um, you know, because you, like you said, you know, towards the first you know whatever two LPs, like you guys were you know you active but not like active in how you know bands are known to be active where they're touring three days out of the year um, sure but the you know the the sort of black cloud that hung over you guys in regards to you know when you, the band broke up on the European tour because you know mm-hmm. equipment was stolen and just so many pieces of drama were existing during that whole time um, yeah so I mean I guess in certain respects I'm sure you look at that time and you're like you know it was exciting and invigorating but then also heartbreaking um, but then
1: yeah it wasn't sustainable in the mental health level for very much <laughs> longer so when it happened it was sort of like the beautiful, sweet kiss of death that was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Reaper. We'll take it.
0: Right. The, yeah. The sweet, sweet kiss of death, we will take you.
1: <laughs> well, you know when you're playing a band and it's kind of unhealthy or any, I guess, relationship too, and you're just like, it got so it's like we were locked into this weird, sick kind of dare nobody wanted to be the one that punked out and just hit the button and called it a day so we just kept on piling it on ourselves in this weirdly miserable I guess black flaggish way or some just some self-punishing unnecessarily Werner Herzog-like way um, so I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you I don't know if uh, that's a smart way to do stuff, it definitely made, made the band and the music what it was so I think we kind of had the sense that it, it was something special that we were doing for, you know for posterity's sake um but when it when it came to an end like fuck it it really there was like just thousands of nights of our life were like that and it was not oh it still has its repercussions you know it it hit us all in different ways and everybody dealt with stresses that it brought on in uh well some tragically sad ways and i internalized a lot of stress and everybody had their own I don't know. You know, they say, like, find something you love. They always say it's Bukowski, but I think it was somebody else. Find something you love and let it kill you. Right. I think it was one of
0: those. Yeah, yeah. But I guess on the same notion is the fact that, you know, because of all of this, um, all of this, you know, turmoil and strife, it led to the art that was, you know, created um as or 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 maybe that was just kind of created separately. Like I don't know if you reflect on that where it's like if you didn't have this you know, the notion that, you know, somebody whatever whatever stand up comedians, it's like, oh, you have to be a tortured artist in order to be able to, you know, create good art. Like do do you actually believe in that or is that something that you, you, you,
1: you, uh, Well, we were never trying to be that tortured. Maybe it's different if you're putting yourself in that position. I think we were just kinda dummies and we were right. self self just self sabotaging enough that it was real.
0: <laughs> sure, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, yeah. <laughs> so for you guys, it was a sheer sheer stupidity, rather just than, total stupidity. Yeah, <laughs> that's the secret of my non-success. <laughs> oh, um, I, I guess during those times, because you know, Curse did do you know, I guess quote unquote larger tours in regards to you know you guys going out with Converge or whatever. You know, you're you yeah. playing in front of larger uh, audiences of people, um, and you probably ostensibly some of the largest shows that like you personally have ever played. Um, yeah, for sure so how you know when you were I guess in that and playing these large shows like was that um, I guess comfortable for you because I know there is a weird disconnect when you're used to playing in front of 100 people and then all of a sudden playing in front of a thousand you know how yeah Yeah. I
1: go by It's more about just, like, vibe for me. Uh, I think that just big shows, not really because of the scale of how many people are there, um, but it's just a feeling of intimacy, just playing anything in any band I've ever played in and just still playing in general. Um, I think feeling, like, just physically nearby to people, uh, feeling like you're communicating emotionally to them what you're trying to, and that's really hard to do when you're, you know, in a bigger setting. It's harder to come across. So if you're at a festival and you're on a 25-foot long stage you know that's like got a barricade and something like that uh that you'll usually find me like jumping down and over a barricade and into the middle of people or something and it's not to be showy it's just like to dissolve into it you know like i play music to forget myself so any you know format of show or size or venue or capacity whatever it just has to have to be able to fuck with it enough that I can replicate the feeling of like, I know I'm trying to communicate what I am, whether I have to physically like get down and scream in somebody's face or, or whatever. So that, that tends to like lend itself better to basements or smaller house shows or something where just people are right there and the energy has nowhere to go. You know, Jimmy that I play with now, they they all call it the you suck circle, you know, like the big half circle in front of you.
0: Oh, yeah. the As they call it, the fuck you horseshoe. Yeah,
1: Yeah. fuck. Not my not my jam, man. We're finally sex is finally getting to the point where we're playing these shows and people are just rammed in and they're right up front. It's not like ninja shit. It's just like. A show kind of goes off and it's super fun, and I'm so glad for that because fuck, I can't handle the horseshoe at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's just too, too. I just that just makes me have to go right through it and get clobbered to get to the other side of it because right, I hate okay. just standing there in front of people performing your numbers. Right, no, I hate I hate that fucking feeling. Competently performing my numbers up here on a stage is not what I'm doing this for.
0: Totally, totally like that. I'm just I'm just nailing every lyric here. Like I'm I'm yeah a plusing it the whole way through. Right? Totally, yeah, doing well, my job. But I but I I like that notion of what you're talking about because I do think there is something that you know uh, so many people that come from the community that we have. You know, look at once bands start to reach a trajectory where they are playing in front of, you know, larger people, it's just like, oh, it's not the same or whatever. But, you know, there is an idea that you can tap into not only that same energy, but just the same connectivity. Like you said, it's the vibe of the room. Like if you are creating that vibe, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, there's an argument that you can't, you know, vibe out a 10,000 person venue or whatever. I'm
1: sure there's a way. I don't often get the chance to try to have to try, but yeah, there's. There's a way I'll go in like it's just in a venue or somewhere small I'll end up grabbing like a lamp or something from a basement and just like all right this is going here and we're turning those lights off so it feels like it feels like a smaller room or something than it is but i guess it's not really big or small I man it's just like
0: connection you know yeah absolutely but and you maybe you i'm mean, sure
1: there's an art to doing it in a, on a bigger scale right. yeah, yeah there must there must be a way i don't know
0: right and you, you yeah like you said you maybe have to work harder to accomplish that in a larger room but it's uh it's still just you know work of of establishing that that connectivity yeah yeah for sure um and the uh, like you mentioned with 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 sect um yeah, I'm sure once the idea came up and you, know, you guys all started to trade, you know, MP3s over email and start to, you know, incorporate uh, the idea of the band. I'm sure it was so easy for you to just be like, "Oh yeah, like of course I love to play with my friends from all across the country and people who I respect musically." Like I'm sure it was probably the easiest band for you to like want to do.
1: Dude, it was a no-brainer for sure. Yeah. Do I want to hang out after all the experiences of the last many years? Do I want to hang out with a bunch of people? My own age that are all similarly, like we're all on the same page lifestyle wise i'm not the only dude in the band that has to go to a fucking health food store and get a cliff bar or i'm gonna die (laughs) like everybody just wants awesome snacks nobody i don't have to like physically put anybody in the van at the end of the night and drive them you know passed out somewhere it's great it's like life's little little present to Callahan. you know (laughs) here you go this is your this is like you know when you retire from a company and you get a little like a golden pen or something that's like sect
0: that's amazing. Yes. I love the way that
1: you put that. It's like, do you yeah. know what I mean though? Totally, like, life, totally. like, here you go right. for your years of service. Right. You get a bunch of like awesome, solid dudes that like, you just want to mess around and eat. Everyone just wants to eat awesome food and you go practice and like talk your shit and be goofy and drive around in a car. It's, it's amazing, dude. I love it. It was, there was no, I mean, I didn't know everybody as well as Andy. Um, But everybody is so solid and so diplomatic to, to be around and to play with and just to make decisions with. Like we have ideas and we actually like everyone, you know, hears them out. Like I kind of pushed everybody towards self-releasing the LP, and I, I think I was probably the loudest cheerleader for that. But uh, everybody, you know, they gave it a go and they they went with it. And I don't know, we really like listen to each other's ideas and and try things. And I really appreciate that a lot about those guys because that hasn't has not been my experience this whole time. But it's great.
0: Yeah, no, that's that, that's Love super it. cool I mean, that's what, just from the outside I mean, especially knowing, you know, I mean I've known Andy and Scott for a while too and It's just like, it, it like It makes so much sense, like hearing all of you Collaborate and then obviously hearing the music That comes out from it It uh, yeah, Like you said, it just, it, it, it feels easy In the best way possible
1: Yeah, for sure, I mean, I, I gotta say I've I, It's the first I've been in a band And it's the only way to possibly do it when we all live So far apart, is that, I mean uh, Scott and Jimmy write they write songs. They write, you know, a complete song, and then they'll demo it. They'll send it to us, and we'll all kind of learn it. Um, and then we have to get together to actually, you know, you have to be in the same room at some point to to really play something through and see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they send it, and we all do our writing for it. But um, yeah, I've always I've never been in a band before that didn't just sort of like jam out every song to make it into a complete song. So it's it's. Uh, it's a lot. It's easier and harder in some respects that way, but it's great to do. I don't know. I don't know what else to say it, but I, I no, love it.
0: That's exciting. It's. I mean, and it and it feel it feels that creativity too, because you know, it's it's stuff that you look forward to, where it's like as opposed to you know, you. I always feel bad when. Uh, I see people who are you know contributing to you know a band and are you know doing it for a living and then you know it gets to a point where you know clearly that becomes work and there's nothing wrong with that but then the moment that it becomes work in the sense of like oh I get, we gotta fucking practice for tour or whatever you know and that, that's where yeah. it's like oh man you, like you don't actually look forward to that and it's totally understandable because everyone gets yeah. to that point but Dude, I look
1: forward to driving from Ontario to Raleigh, North Carolina, just to hang out. (laughs) I choose to drive it sometimes, just to like take a long drive, listen to the songs all the way there and see everybody and make a road trip out of it and see my friends along the way too.
0: Yeah. It's rad. That's great. Um yeah and kinda kind of focusing now on um you know the fact that you've been doing you know vegan magic now for how how long have you been doing it now Ooh, it's been it's been almost four years right which is, is that? Uh, it, I mean it's incredible that uh you've been able to you know grow it i mean I'm sure in so many respects growing a small business is exactly the same principles as as quote unquote growing a band
1: oh my god the the downsides and the frustrating parts of uh, the middlemen kind of in the industry side of things are really similar to the more predatory side of the music industry <laughs> in a way that I could see all the red flags kind of coming. I'm like, oh, God, you're the, you're the, oh, I want to say, I want to make jokes, but I don't. You're the, you know, the middle, you're the middle person. You're the, yeah. okay, like the Tony Victory or <laughs> some shit, you know? yeah you're the guy that's going to get paid and I'm not, and you're going to have this all like dead stock on a tax return somewhere in a, in a locker somewhere. Yeah. It it, it was a, a real steep learning curve, but it wasn't, um, a plan of mine in life. So when it kind of fell into my, my lap like that, I I'm like, okay, this is cool. I'll, I'll try to see if I can figure all the aspects of this out and not take them too seriously. Um, and it you know mostly did mostly i got a lot done before i knew what the hell i was doing and probably because it was it seemed like such a surreal thing that i wasn't i wasn't thinking too much about it in terms of like a success uh, just like I, I this kind of accidental you know vegan tour based creation turned into like a thing and then it was a you know a patented commercial <laughs> product so it kind of went through like like we said business I fucking suck at it still and that's fine um but the business aspect of it there's like a food safety angle and there's like importing and you know NAFTA and FDA related things and the border and homeland security and then there's just like so many the Canadian side and the American side so I don't know um it seemed so ridiculous that I think I got a lot done because like it seemed kind of like a joke that it was happening so by the time I finally looked down it was mostly running itself which is good because I probably couldn't. It, it, it caught up with me. I guess the uh, just the dealings with people and distributors and just the kind of shitty things that happen really can uh, they can really sink small businesses. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. The logistics of everything, like because no one, especially when you're starting up something, you know, no matter what it is like i always joke about this with other people where it's like no one looks up and are just like dude i can't wait to become a boss like i can't right. <laughs> i can't wait to like supervise people and like care about like you, you know just, like shipping and like all these things are just like no one oh cares my about God. that like but they care yeah, about no. the product or whatever for sure yeah Oh, and, and, and so I really like it how the way that you phrase it, where it's just like you—you you almost like I guess maybe mentally didn't take it seriously. Like you put hard work into it, but you didn't take. Oh yeah, I mean
1: that was proper, but yeah, know, like because because it came so so out of left field that it was just like okay, sure, fuck, uh, get a patent. All right, I'll uh, here's you get some labels. Uh, I guess I gotta get a nutritional panel over here. <laughs> like it was just goofy. I don't know. I, I was just going into the creative zone i guess where you make ridiculous things happen my bandmates have always called them call plans i guess now i can joke about shitty call hand puns <laughs> holy
0: shit call plans i love it yeah
1: that was there that was definitely circa curse that was like the term for just a ridiculous idea that somehow ends up working you know i'm like all right well this is like the ultimate call all right i guess uh you know make this make this a reality and not have a boss to the the prospect of not having a boss that was my main drive other than being vegan and making something that's useful to people to eat that can be you know replace an animal product
0: right right <laughs> i love that yeah and, and so um on that same notion, the um, you know dealing with civilians—I uh, like to call them—and I know many of us <laughs> use the same word when you're <laughs> people who don't have an experience with our subculture. Um, right? It was was that uh, I jerks? Guess, you mean? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's another (laughs) another word for them. Um, It's their fault they never got exposed to, you know, punk band A when they were 14 years old. That's right. It's their dumb fault. Um, (laughs) But the, how how has been dealing with uh, people of that nature, like, you know, who look at you as just like you're, I mean, obviously you're not your average businessman because, you know, you're a a weird, short, tattooed dude. But um, Mm -hmm. the. You know, like how has been dealing with civilians from that perspective on like, uh, oh, hey, here, you know, we're, we're going to go to a you know, local uh, grocery store and kind of do a product demo and like, you know, how that all kind of, um, you know, has that been comfortable for you?
1: Uh, no, nah, not comfortable. I did definitely did have to do it a lot in the first two years. I did it a ton of demos and things in stores. Um, I like festivals. I like food fest, and this actually we're kind of heading into food veg fest season. Um, I enjoy that. Uh, it can. It, it's really hard. It's like a lot. Like the Toronto has maybe the biggest one in the world, um, and it's something like sixty thousand people in the weekend come through. Um, it, it's you have to do a lot of a lot of prepping when you're making food for that you know potentially that many people um and i still have a terrible habit of trying to do too much myself and not take the help that's right there trying to <laughs> trying to help me right. um no but the demos i really whenever i feel like i'm trying to mean you know push a product on somebody uh it just feels like bullshit to me even though i know it's not i totally believe in it i know what i'm doing and i know why just like the vegan angle alone you know just it's like a, it's a, make things that somebody that isn't from, like you said that isn't from our world that even our world of veganism that's the part of the vegan magic thing that i like the most it's just like somebody's dad being able to you know like people that aren't like us to be able to see a bridge from the way they see things and the possibilities and the, the things they like to consume um you know to, to get over to what we see is you know less destructive and less uh predatory kind of way of of life you know like to the world's kind of set up for a lot of terrible things to happen based on people not really wanting to look at the realities that go into an entire chain of events and animal industries are the best example of that i think so for the same reasons as you know we we want to see an end to the things that people do to people uh the things that people do to other things are cut from the exact same cloth as exploitation that's just like you're raised into it and this is the way it is this is what's on the shelf and fuck that like it just never had to be like that so to be able to make an alternative to that um, and just make kind of realities that never were there when I was growing up vegan too um, you can just fucking make them you know right. and if they're useful to other people too and they usually will be then great there you go there's something that someone's buying that isn't pork that isn't an animal so you can just make that that's the part of it that I really like tap into and I hate standing in a fucking grocery store trying to make somebody try something like I, I fucking hate it a lot and I'm bad at it right, right. Uh, when I'm surrounded by people that know I don't know if people are cool it's good but I get really vibed out when I feel like I'm a fucking traveling salesman trying to push some crazy snake oil snake on somebody oil. And it's really right. it's, it's got a weird idea and a weird name but it's like it's just it's
0: coconut oil bub <laughs> <laughs> right totally. smoky coconut oil like right i don't know let's boil let's boil it down to this brass tacks here it's, it's smoky coconut oil
1: talking about coconuts and tvp or some some maple syrup yeah
0: right right and, and so have you found the uh i you, because you have a partner in this right or no 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 i just do okay. so then how how do you not fail mm-hmm. the business chris like i mean since you're terrible at it how do you have how have you faked it uh, this long
1: i don't know it sort okay. of tr- chugs along okay um Okay, you know when bands are a band and they get their thing going, and it kind of attracts attention. You know, by like people see that there's a bit of a phenomenon happening, and it attracts people and their business cards, and they kind of notice and they tell you they can do all these great things for you, and they want you know they want to scoop you up and get in on the ground floor, and then they promptly just fuck it all up. Sure, Uh, there's a lot of that with this too, where someone like you know someone will run like vice or something will run an article or it ends up in the Huffington Post and this did um and a lot of people kind of come out of the woodwork but they it's really hard to know except by trial and error where you know how to pick the people that you deal with um but no, I had a lot of real sidelining, man. I got, um, I had Whole Foods come to me early on and wanted to be in there. And uh, I mean, I guess I can say this now because it mostly didn't really work out that well. But uh, just the distributors and the people in the middle of anything, that scale, when you're something the size. I mean, it looks like a bigger business than it is. It looks like there's a, a whole you know big setup, but it's really me. Um, Bianca, my wife, helps me a lot. And a few of our friends help just doing every aspect of it. Right. Um so it it's really tough, man. Uh I got just whew. I don't know how to say it, but it can really uh it shuts down way bigger operations than something like us to deal with um just the, the contracts and the things you have to do when you're in when you want to go and chain stores. Sure, um, sure. It's crazy. It's crazy. You can get, especially in the, the U.S. side of it, you can get sued for everything. That <laughs> just makes no sense. Um, and you just have to keep up way more than, your end of it is really stacked in the favor of uh, of the people in the middle, you know? I like, I like dealing with people at the end. I like dealing with, like, a customer that, or just a person that, you know? But people will get in the way, of you just like music you know people see that here's the thing you make and here's the person that wants it and here's how I jam myself in between those two things
0: right, uh, right. So no that, I mean, that happens a lot yeah well I mean it, it it's exciting that you have been able to um, you know get it to where you're at now and um, yeah there's always you know the uh, the the fear of failure no matter what it is that you're doing but it, it, it's cool that you uh, all these uh, I just love when people take all of the principles that they have learned from you know the beautiful music scene that we are a part of and then yeah. t- take it out into the real world because that's the only way that other people find out about it you know it's like once yeah. once people who may have no idea who the person is behind this product and then they find out that there's this whole other rich story that it, you know is interlaced with it where it's just like, oh, well maybe I'll, I'll, I'll explore that. And it's like, you never know, you know, <laughs> a, a, person, yeah. a person's gateway can be through a food product as opposed to, you know, listening to the first Left 4 Dead LP. And you know, it's like, it's, yeah, for sure.
1: It's, it's funny how much they cross over. Like a lot of the people I do a lot of business with turn out to be hardcore and punk kids and vegans in, in places, whether it's like strong hearts or food fight and a lot of places like that. Um, there are some of the people that I most enjoy. I just have this like default. I'm usually like, it's usually by email and I have no idea until we're like 10 steps deep. If I'm just dealing with like a hardcore kid, vegan, I'm like, fuck yes. I can just drop all the bullshit and talk to you like normal.
0: Totally. I I love that. I think everybody experiences that when you have that, like, oh dude you're on the level oh cool we could just drop all artifice and
1: yeah because you don't know it you know it's yeah. like okay well here's the here's the specifics of the skew and here's the ordering information like fuck and then you find out it's dude for food fight chad good example we got we just immediately got ridiculous you know upon realizing we we're talking to you know like-minded individuals like just drop all the veneer i mean you have the business side of it just is what it is it's just like music like yeah you you make a thing here's what it is here's how much it costs this is what i need this is what i need to make it this is how much i need to sell it for um but i mean that's just i don't know you just have to get through that shit to to maintain it uh for the reasons that you like doing it which is like the ethics of it and the fun and the creativity of it
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's super cool. Um, Yeah, the last thing I want to hit on with this is this is purely selfish, just because I want to extract this out of you in some capacity. Is the um you know you you've you've dabbled around with books and you know personal writings in you know a variety of forms, whether it's zines, um, whether it's you know the uh, gosh what was the what was the zine you released uh, two years ago? I know Billy Billy from Silver Scene was kind enough and he got me a copy. Uh, What was the the the, or was it a book that you did? I can't recall exactly. I
1: did a I did something called Holy of Holies that was about two years ago. That was all yes. photographs.
0: Yes. That's right. Is it that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, but anyway, but there was a,
1: yeah, there was a book as well co- before that. Right. Called negative space.
0: Yes. Yes. And so, uh, you know, the, uh, I guess, do you have more uh, of that on the horizon in regards to, you know, just being able to, you know, express yourself in that form or is that like, you know, uh, a list on a list of, uh, 400 other things that you want to get to
1: it unfortunately i mean both the answer is both i do uh i have a way backlogged list of things for writing just like i do for everything else um my friend matt finner uh a great great dude up here that publishes that stuff um he runs permanent sleep uh and they put out so many good good things like that too um Yeah, he put negative space out and negative space was like a 35 mil, like a photo journal of a really long tour uh, that Burning Love did um, of the Southern Lord tour we did that summer that uh, I'm not sure if we saw you in California in the course of that. It was the thing we did with Black Breath and Marder Dodds. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like a, I always had meant to do that and I came by an old uh, 35 mil camera that was like the one that I used to have. Um, So it just was like really long. So it it was like in in order of this trip, but it was about everything else in the day that doesn't have to do with the show, you know, the other like 23 hours of the day. Um, And then there was a kind of a story in the middle of it, kind of where it was geographically. Uh, so that's what that was the main the kind of bigger project we did that was like it's a it's a proper book. Um, so it was awesome that Matt put it out. I, I felt really kind of a, accomplished, I guess, to have that i've never i have done zines and stuff like that before but to have that uh really felt good so i have more that i've been trying to work on uh something called nine lives that i've been trying to do for so fucking long um it's a little difficult to juggle now with business stuff all the time but i definitely have more writing um that i'm trying to trying to do get done more books
0: more zines Good, good. Well, that's yeah. good because I, I I'm waiting. I'll be I'll be first in line, my friend.
1: Okay, good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Chris, thank you uh, so much for taking the time out of your day. This has been a, a fun hang, and um, yeah, I appreciate you wanting to do this again.
1: Yeah, man, it was great to catch up with
0: you. Yeah, likewise. Oh boy, that was that Christopher Callahan. Even though no one calls him Christopher, but Chris Callahan. I uh, yeah, I can't tell you, the listener, how much I love him as a human being. But uh, hopefully conversation you're able to kind of gather that but i just am so impressed with him and i'm uh, glad that he's in the world so thank you chris for uh breaking the technological barrier that uh, i know you are a luddite like we uh, alluded in the interview and uh, the fact that he was able to conquer his skype fears uh, we did it we did the damn thing And we did the damn thing. The episode is now winding to a close, but I will tell you who the guest next week is, but not before I plug my good friend, lowercase noises supplies the music for this show. And you need to be checking out his new record called the Swiss illness. You can find it at any streaming provider and listen to the record. If you want a moment of peace and stillness, which frankly we all need at this point because uh, the world is so stressful, right? So let this music guide you and make you healthier and all those other positive things. And, um, yeah, so the guest next week is, uh, is, is a really, really big one. This was one that I frankly was super nervous about and I wasn't even sure how this was going to go. Buzz Osborne from the Melvins. And, um, I mean, he, he's, uh, he's been known to be a prickly character when it comes to interviews, but, uh, I'm going to go ahead and reveal to you that, uh, this was not the case for this one. He is uh, spectacular, And he is a very good guest. So I get to share that with you next week. But um, yes, again, from the bottom of my heart, the bottom of my stomach, the bottom of my soul, or the bottom of something, I really, really can't thank you enough, the listener, for paying attention to this show and acting well, not acting, but showing me that you care about this thing. You care about independent music. I, I'm just a vehicle. I'm just the person that's putting these conversations together. But it's you, the person who's engaged in independent music, is the one that's making a difference. And I can't thank you enough for caring about it, for bringing this thing forward, for showing other people not only the show, but just bands and all that fun stuff that we love so much. So, wow. Yeah, I'm feeling grateful, feeling thankful. So, thank you. That's all i got to say. And until next week, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.